Today on The Matt Walsh Show, we are told that racist cops are out hunting and killing black people. But is this narrative actually true? Is there any real evidence for it? Is there any reason to believe it? I think the truth really matters. So today, we're going to take a look at the evidence and see where it points. Also, five headlines, including a CNN, uh, quote, journalist going to rather desperate rhetorical extremes to justify rioting and looting. And in our daily cancellation, um, I will cancel... Once and for all, the FBI. Maybe a sort of inopportune time to be canceling the FBI, but they don't seem to be doing much anyway, so we might as well cancel them. And um, I'll explain why. All of that coming up. But before we get to any of that, I want to tell you about Duke Cannon. You know, it, Father's Day is is actually, Father's Day exists. Father's Day is a thing, okay? It doesn't get as much attention as Mother's Day. In fact, my my daughter said to me the other day, we were out, and she said, she said, Daddy, they, they you know, they have the day for moms. Do they, do they have a day for daddies? I said, do they have a day? Yes, they have a day. What are you talking about? My, my own daughter didn't even know that Father's Day exists. Okay, so that should tell you the kind of bias there is. But I'm, now I'm, I'm way off track. The point is, Duke Cannon is where you want to go for Father's Day gifts. To honor the dads in our lives, Duke Cannon is offering the Patriot Collection filled with three commemorative Great American Beer Soaps made with actual Budweiser beer. But it's more than beer soap made in the USA uh, that gives credence to its name. For every Patriot collection purchased on DukeCannon.com, they're going to donate $5 to Folds of Honor, which is a nonprofit that provides educational scholarships to spouses and children of America's uh, fallen and disabled military service members. So you're getting a get great product. You're also contributing to a great cause. And uh, I've used this beer soap myself, and it does. It, it smells like you're cracking open a beer in the shower. It's almost as good as actually drinking a beer in the shower. Although, don't drink the soap, I should warn you. I made that mistake. As a reminder, Duke Cannon partners with active duty military to develop new ideas and review products. Anything that doesn't meet the high standards of soldiers doesn't happen. So visit DukeCannon.com. Use promo code Walsh for 10% off your entire order. Uh, free shipping with orders over $20. A range of Duke Cannon's men's premium products are also available at your local Target. DukeCannon.com. Go there now. Okay. Now, um... Let's talk about this. There is uh, there is an epidemic of police brutality in this country, and much of the brutality is motivated by racism, right? Black Americans are quite literally being hunted by racist whites, many of whom wear a badge and carry a gun. Uh, hunted is the exact word that is used, even by uh, prominent voices like LeBron James. It isn't safe. It's not even safe for black people, especially men, to leave their homes because of the problem of homicidal racist cops. Uh, that problem is so pervasive that it's not even safe for them. This, anyway, is the narrative that is relentlessly hammered into our heads by the media, Hollywood, activists, the Democrat Party. But, of course, I repeat myself. Considering that this narrative is currently fueling violent mobs all across the country, and those violent mobs are torching our cities and unraveling the fabric of civilized society, I think it really matters whether it's actually true or not. And a close inspection of the relevant statistics, which we're going to get into now, along with a generous helping of common sense that I think we should apply to the situation as well, would seem to cast very serious doubt on this claim. It is the claim, again, that is sending people into the streets um, all over the country. I'm not sure there's anything to it. Now, the first thing that we should note is that police kill twice as many white men as they do, well, white people. It's mostly men, and we'll get to that in a second. 
Um, but police kill twice as many white people as they do black people in a given year. Now, the white victims don't receive anything like the same kind of attention, but they exist and they are more numerous than the black victims. In fact, the most egregious police shooting, I think, by far in recent history, is the one that claimed the life of a guy named Daniel Shaver. Daniel Shaver is a white man. Uh, he was unarmed and he was gunned down while on his knees begging for his life in the, uh, in the hallway of a hotel. It's all on video. I mean, this is this is what they claimed happened to Michael Brown, but didn't happen in that case, where he was on his knees saying, hands up, don't shoot. Okay, That was a lie. That was invented by the media. Actually, it was a lie invented by, uh, you know, I, I think originally by uh, Michael Brown's criminal friend and then amplified by the media. It didn't happen. It was a lie. Here, it actually did happen. Almost exactly that happened. The officer who killed uh, Daniel Shaver was not convicted of any crime. In fact, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I think I will. I, I want to play some of this video for you of the Daniel Shaver killing, if you haven't seen it. Now, I warn you, it's, it's extremely upsetting. Um, it's not graphic. Now, this, the video I'm going to play is from the Washington Post. The actual shooting itself is blurred out, so you're not going to see anything. You're not going to see any blood or, or anything graphic, but it, but, uh, it is very upsetting. Um, I think it's necessary to play the video so that you can actually see it. And, and, uh, and, and, and when you watch it, keep in mind that these are two white people involved. It is a white officer and a white man. No racial element. And yet this happened. Okay, young man, listen to my instructions and do not make a mistake. You are to keep your legs crossed. Do you understand me? You are to put both of your hands, palms down, straight out in front of you. Push yourself up to a kneeling position. I said, keep your legs crossed! I'm sorry. I didn't say this in conversation. Put your hands here! Shaver was unarmed. He was trying to comply. He was weeping and begging for his life. They threatened repeatedly to kill him. So tensions are high. You know, he's trying to comply, but he's scared. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? You've got, you've got I think it was three, three cops responded to that scene. They got guns drawn on you. You're on your knees. They keep threatening to shoot you. Uh, and the instructions they're giving are confusing and contradictory. At one point, you know, but uh, put the he's he's down on the on the ground, uh, hands hands out, legs crossed. Then they say, "Get up and start crawling," and then they yell at him for not keeping his legs crossed. Well, how the hell are you going to crawl with your legs crossed? I don't even understand that. And nobody's got a gun pointed at me. It's like a game of Simon Says, except if you lose, you die, and he lost. Um, now, finally, the reason the reason they shot him 
um, is that uh, he was crawling and then his pants started to fall down. He made the mistake of trying to pull his pants up. Why did he try to pull his pants up? Well, it's just a reflex. And maybe he didn't want to crawl pantless on the ground like a dog. And, and, and because he tried to preserve a little bit of his dignity, they shot him dead. Now, um, this is horrible. The officer should have gone to jail, in my opinion. He didn't. Yet the point here is that there is no racial element. And also, not coincidentally, no riots over that. None at all. Speaking of horrifying video, there's also footage of the last moments of a, a man named Tony Timpa's life. Timpa, white man, uh, was suffocated during an arrest, much like the George Floyd situation. He screamed and pleaded for his life 30 times before he died. He said he was dying. He was going to die. Uh, officers on the scene laughed and cracked jokes as he lay there dead on the pavement. Now, I'm not going to play this video because there's only so much, so much of this kind of content you could watch in one sitting. But you can find the video for yourself. It's online. Timpa also, by the way, the reason cops showed up is that Timpa called them to come help him. He, was a, he's, uh, he, you know, he suffered from mental illness. And he called them to come help him. They end up killing him in the process. Now, Timpa's case, like Shaver's, uh, like so many others, never attracted the coverage or the outrage on, anywhere near on par with the killings of George Floyd or Michael Brown or Freddie Gray or any of the other black victims who have become household names. Now, some of these, these people who have been killed by cops are household names now. Are any of them white? No. But again, these white victims exist and they outnumber their black counterparts by a wide margin, in fact. Now, listen. This is not about whataboutism. This is not about racial scorekeeping or anything like that. This is about addressing a narrative that is currently, as I said, fueling the destruction of our cities. We have to address this narrative because if it's not true, that matters, doesn't it? It really, really matters. And I'm saying it's not true. It's just not true. It will be pointed out, of course, that there are many more white people than black people in the country. So that the fact that the fact that more white people are killed by cops um, is, uh, you know, is, is not a surprise and does not in itself disprove the racist police narrative. And that's true, of course. But consider a couple of things. And before we even get there, I mean, it, it is true. But even so, even though there are a lot more white people, if this is a problem of racist police out uh, hunting black people, even though there are fewer black people, you still wouldn't expect, based on that theory, right, of the racist police hunting black people, you, you, you still wouldn't expect for there to actually be more white victims. But there are. So, so, so that is a, a conclusion or a fact that is not predicted by the theory of racist cops hunting black people. Also, um, you know, a... A person arguing in favor of the racist police narrative must have an explanation for the shavers and the timpas and the hundreds of other white victims. You have to, you've got your theory again. Your theory is racist police out hunting black people. Okay, that's your theory. How, well, okay, but now you've got all this information over here that doesn't really comport with your theory. How do you explain it? You got to have some explanation. 
If all or most of the black victims were shot because of racism, which appears to be the theory, because every single time, every single time there is video of a of a black person dying in the process of an arrest or being killed by police, whether justly or unjustly, or if there's a story about it, uh, Michael Brown, there was never any video. It turns out the killing was not unjust, but it did happen in any case. Anytime, the automatic assumption is that it's racism. Which, which, which would seem to indicate that um, all or most of the black people killed by cops are killed because of racism. Okay, well then again, why were the white victims shot in that case? However you explain the white victims, how do you know that the same explanation or combination of explanations doesn't also apply to the black victims? I mean, why do we assume racism for the black uh, victims while, while assuming any number of other explanations for the white victims. If there are a slew of potential reasons why a white guy might get shot by the cops, including that he was the aggressor and brought it on himself, of course, because it's not like, it's not, it's not like um, every uh, police shooting is unjust. So I'm using this word victim, uh, you know, I, I'm just using it for brevity's sake. But uh, of course, not every suspect who's killed by police is a victim. Many times this is the aggressor. I mean, there are many, when you look at the statistics of people shot by the cops, keep in mind that a lot of them were shooting at the cops and that's why they got killed. That's not the case for George Floyd, of course, just like it wasn't the case for Daniel Shaver or, uh, or Tony Timpa, but it does happen. Either way, you know, when we talk about the white victims, there are a whole slew of explanations. How can we rule out all of those explanations from the start whenever a black person is killed by the cops? How does that make any sense to do? Now, Tony Timpa, why did he die? Maybe because the officers involved weren't bigots, but they were reckless bullies who didn't place a high enough value in human life. Okay, that's terrible, but it's not bigotry, it's not racism. If that's how we explain Tony Timpo or Daniel Shaver, you know, I see that. It's clearly not racism because those are white people, all, all white people involved. But what I see is a power trip. I see a police officer who is on a power trip and just loves the fact that he's got the gun and he's got the power. That's how I explain it. How can we disqualify that explanation from the outset where George Floyd is concerned? You can't say, well, George Floyd, was, he, he was killed because of racism. That exact thing also happened to a white guy. So, so what, however you explain it for the white guy, how do you know that doesn't also explain this? Do you have additional evidence that this police officer was racist? If you do, present it. If cops kill white people too, how is the mere fact that a black man was killed by cops evidence in itself for racism? Also, and this part is politically incorrect. Okay, this is where the whole thing is politically incorrect. But now we're going to get to the really politically incorrect part. But it's a point that cannot be avoided. So I'm not going to avoid it. There are enough people out there who are avoiding hard truths. I'm not going to do it. Here's a hard truth. Crime statistics show that a disproportionate amount of violent crime in this country is committed by black people. Okay. That's the statistic. Um. What does it mean? Well, this means that there will be a disproportionate amount of potentially hostile interactions between police and black people. That's what it means. 
So the real question then is, this is the question. It's, it's whether a black person is significantly more likely to be unjustly killed in an interaction with police than a white person. The answer to that question would appear to be no. In fact, it was recently put, I think, in a, in a pretty uh, persuasive way by somebody on Twitter who, who compiled the statistics, Leonidas Johnson. I'll show you this. A black man, by the way, not that it matters, but uh, this, is, this clearly is not someone who's, who's you know, trying to excuse racism. And he frames it this way, um, and he provides the links with all the sources. And these are, this is the information anyone can go find for yourself. Uh, the the, the, the information is out there. So three black people are killed for every 10,000 arrested for violent crime. Among, among uh, white people arrested for violent crime, the figure is four in 10,000. So when you frame it this way, it's really hard to support the claim of a racist police epidemic. Once again, the racist police uh, narrative is a theory. It's an explanatory theory. It's, it's meant to explain why we see police brutality. Well, theories are supposed to have predictive power. They're supposed to predict the facts that we see. The racist police narrative does not predict that three in 10,000 black people arrested for violent, for violent crime will be killed while four in 10,000 white people are killed. Doesn't predict that. Doesn't explain it. Doesn't comport with it. Um, it also seems relevant that white cops, they've done studies on this, white cops are not more likely to shoot black suspects. And that stat comports with the fact that many of the high-profile police killings, Baltimore, for example, uh, I think about Freddie Gray, that happened in a black-run city with a black mayor, a black police chief, and many black officers were involved in the killing. Yet they still called it racism. I mean, if racism lies at the root of police brutality, and if black men are indeed being hunted, then we should observe a lot more brutality and, quote, hunting in departments and cities where there are more white cops and more white leadership. But that is not what we observe. If the theory was true, that is what we would observe, but it's not what we observe, so there's a problem with the theory. Also, as I, as I uh, referenced earlier, Keep in mind that men are much more likely to die by police shooting than women. Much more likely. Okay? Now, this makes little sense on the bigotry theory. I mean, are the police feminists as well as, are, are they radical feminists as well as racists? How do you explain that? Or are men more likely to be killed by police because they're more likely to commit violent crime, which in turn increases the likelihood of an explosive interaction with cops? Now, if the latter is the case, when it comes to the men versus women disparity, and we all probably agree that it is, then why can't the same explanation be applied to the racial disparities as to the sex disparities? Why not? If the problem of police brutality affects white people and black people, and if it persists even under black leadership, and even at the hands of black cops, then it would seem that we need to search for an answer other than racist cops are hunting black folks. That's what it would really seem like. Now, I believe there is a problem with policing in this country. You know, what happened to George Floyd and Tony Timpa and Daniel Shaver, that was unacceptable, outrageous, happens far too often. But I'm not going to pretend that I think the racial narrative is true because it's not true. The problem is not racist cops. There is no evidence for that. And there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. 
And the truth matters. The truth matters. It matters now more than ever. This is not like splitting hairs or or being pedantic. This is the truth, and it's very important. The truth is that the racial narrative offered as an explanation for this problem ignores the facts on the ground, is incoherent, um, fails as a theory, and is promoted by race hustlers operating in bad faith and for their own ideological and political ends. That's the truth. And from there, we will uh, move on to headlines. Number one, as looting and rioting gripped hold of the country um, for what was a seventh, I think it's a seventh, seventh day in a row, eighth or seventh or eighth, President Trump finally addressed the nation yesterday and uh, said that we should, you know, mobilize the military. And then he took a walk down uh, the street and, and visited the church that had been set on fire the night before. Now, the left was very upset about this, obviously, as to be expected, um, very offended by the photo op. They also claim, this is what we, this is the claim that we got. It was all over the internet and the media last night. The claim was that uh, cops cleared out a bunch of peaceful protesters with tear gas canisters in order for Trump to walk through and do his photo op. Well, come to find out today, um, the, the, the police department was, was asked about this, and they said that, no, we didn't use tear gas. We used smoke canisters. There's no irritant in it. It's not going to hurt anybody. And uh, we did it because they were throwing stuff at us. And oh, by the way, we didn't even know Trump was coming. We didn't do it for Trump. So, you know, that story was true, except for the fact that everything about it was untrue. Um, now, you know, personally, the photo op and everything, I'm not offended by that. I think, it was a, I think it's a good move. I like the speech. I think it's all pretty good. The only problem is that it's about six days too late. And I understand that in recent years, the tradition is to give rioters and looters about a week you know, a free week to do whatever the hell they want and destroy whatever they want. That's, that's what we've been doing ever since Ferguson. But that is not a tradition that we should carry on with, uh, you know, and, um, and that's not a tradition that Trump, Trump should observe, in my opinion. As for bringing in the military, yes, do it. I mean, do it yesterday. Do it last week. Anarchists and domestic terrorists are destroying communities all over the country. And these are not fringe elements. This is, despite what we are told, this is all over the country. Yes, bring in the military. You know, we use the military to restore order and address these kinds of issues in foreign cities to protect foreign citizens of those cities. You know, in places like Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq. Well, why not this country? Isn't that a novel concept? Use the military to protect American citizens, not, not, not at citizens of Afghanistan or Iraq, American citizens. I mean, people are so shocked by the idea of sending in the military because we've gotten so used to this, this, this concept of using our military to protect other people in other countries. Using our military to protect other people of other countries. We've gotten so used to that that we think that that's what the military is for. That's not what the military is for. The military is to protect us. It's our military. It's not Afghanistan's military. It's not Iraq military. It's, it's our military. Number two, a video went viral yesterday, first shared by a reporter from The Gothamist, uh, Jake Ofenhartz was his name. And I'll show you the video in a second. Here's the caption he offered on Twitter. It says, a, a source shared this video, which he says he took at around 10 p.m. Uh, near 12th and Broadway. It appears to show an NYPD officer pointing a gun at protesters outside the Strand. Sounds pretty scary. Okay, you've got a 
according to him, uh, officer just pulling his gun out, peaceful protesters, what's going on? Let's take a look at the video. Geez, why was that guy, that officer, pointing a gun at peaceful protesters? Like, I, I, that, that's that. I mean, this this is this just proves. I mean, this proves that we've got all these crazy homicidal cops out there. Well, no, actually, it doesn't, because um, you know our friend Jake here. He he accidentally cut off the first part of the video. Okay, totally by accident, I'm sure. Totally by accident, not because he's a piece of garbage. No, it couldn't be that. Um, it's a coincidence that he forgot to include the part where a peaceful protester sneaks up behind a police officer and beats him over the head with a brick. But I have that part, and I'll show it to you. Here's the full video with uh, with the part that uh, our friend Jake forgot to include. Here it is. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So they they were being attacked with bricks, um, which can kill somebody, and then that's why they pulled the gun out. All right. Well, the clip that uh, that cuts that part out, the context, the clip that Jake Ofenhart shared, has millions of views, and he had to take the time and the effort to go in and trim this thing down to only include the reaction from the officer and not the thing that he was reacting to. This obviously is deliberate. And think about how evil it is. Okay, we've already got chaos in the streets. People are already being attacked. Police are being attacked and run over. Four police officers were shot in St. Louis last night. So Jake here goes and deliberately tries to stoke more aggression, more hostility towards the police by lying and by distorting. He's trying to get cops killed. This is pure evil. This is a bad person engaging in pure evil for his own Selfish reasons. Number three, um, and now a word from the illustrious publication Teen Vogue, one of my favorites. You know, I've, I've got a subscription. Uh, I, always read, I always read Teen Vogue when they come in. And they shared one of their articles today titled, Here's What Antifa is Really Trying to Do. And the article says, uh, the excerpt of the article says, Antifa grows out of a larger revolutionary politics that aspires towards creating a better world. But the primary motivation is to stop racists from organizing. Creating a better world, yes. Well, I guess it depends on how you define better. Uh, if a bunch of burned out stores and anarchy in the streets and innocent people being beaten unconscious is an improvement in your mind, then yes, Antifa has certainly made the world a better place. But then in that case, you're a psychopath. Um, well, I, I guess I should stop myself. No, because you know, the people at Teen Vogue or elsewhere in the media who make excuses for and lend rhetorical support to or even practical support to domestic terrorists are not psychotic, actually. Uh, they are not mentally ill. They are not stupid either, despite appearances. They know what they're doing. And that's what makes this so evil. For example, another example, moving on to number four, I want you to watch this, uh, this, uh, I don't know what you call it, a news report? Is, is that what this is pretend, pretending to be? I don't know. But watch this from uh, CNN a couple nights ago. And here is uh, Don Lemon, or, or sorry, I don't think it's Don Lemon, um, one of them over there talking to a quote-unquote reporter on the ground. Watch. 
I know people see violence and think that people are just taking advantage of the situation, and there may be some people who are. I don't know that every single person is doing this born out of pain, but I can tell you many people are. We've seen it. They don't know what to do with that emotion, so their response, especially young folks, is to lash out. And one of the young folks, we talked to him on your show. You had him on your show. A young man who was from Minneapolis who said, do you see all this damage here? You don't listen to us when we speak. So you listen to us now, don't you? So acting out gets attention. And they know that because the other way hasn't gotten them the attention. It hasn't done anything. It hasn't changed anything. So they're hoping this will. Will it? I don't know. I was in Ferguson in 2014 for three months. We're back here again. Same scenario, just about. There wasn't a gun involved. There was a knee involved. Born from pain. Pain, yes. These people are in such pain. Such pain. The pain they're suffering from. Actually, let me play another report for you. This is from CBS. And here we can see, uh, just, you know, she's talking about the pain these people are in. Well, here is uh, some of these in pain people lashing out in their despair and anguish. And let's, uh, let's take a look at what that looks like. I'm Jonathan Vigliotti in Southern California, the site of some of the worst looting in America. We saw it firsthand in Santa Monica. This is a sushi store here. You can see the chairs were thrown around, even the computers ripped off. And here we have a jewelry store. So across the street, We've got the Patagonia. What you're seeing is people of all ages, all backgrounds, helping themselves, using Black Lives Matters as the reason it is throughout Santa Monica. Such pain. Look at the pain on these people's faces as they steal surfboards. They're they're, they're, they're weeping. Weeping for the life of George Floyd as they run into the destroyed stores and run off with arms full of product. Right? Can we just get a, actually, can we get a still, a still shot, a screenshot at uh, six seconds on that video? So there, there you go. I just want to focus on this guy for a second. He's got a, bo- a bunch of boxes there. What are, what are the shoes, shoe boxes? I don't know what that is. Um, who knows? Let's assume there's stuff inside those boxes. The point is, don't, don't, don't you see the pain this man is in? The pain, the grief, the agony? You can see it, right? It's, it's written all over him. No, you don't actually, because he's not in pain. Um, he's inflicting pain. He is stealing. He's a thief. He's a criminal. He's a lowlife. He's a scumbag. Everyone running out of that store, all the rest of them, who are looting stores across the country. And the thing is, even if they were in pain, I don't care. That's what I said yesterday. I'll say it again. I'll say it every day while this is going on. I don't care. If you're in pain and you're looting a store, I don't care about your pain. I don't care. I don't care what you've been through. doesn't matter. It is immaterial. No sympathy. I don't want to hear your story. You know, your emotions are irrelevant. In fact, I hope you're in pain. I hope you're in pain from the guilt and the shame that you should feel. Pain from the realization of what an absolute scumbag you are. I hope you feel that pain for your own sake so that you can improve and actually become a a decent human being and not live your whole life like this, not live your life as the kind of person who would see, you know, um, a store that's been destroyed 
and, and think, let me run in and get, get my share of that. that. That's a miserable way to live. And if you actually look and I mean, you know, I, 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 I just can't imagine doing that and getting home and catching a, a glimpse in the mirror and thinking, this is who I am. This is the kind of person I am. I am just a scumbag. I'm a low-life, horrible person that I would do that. So I can't imagine having to confront that. If you actually confront it, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pain. You're going to feel a lot of pain. And I hope you feel that pain for your own sake because that's the only way you're ever going to improve. But I suspect that you don't feel it because you're a bad person. And bad people don't feel pain or guilt or shame for the bad things they do. Now, CNN is running cover for these people, coming up with elaborate excuses. You know, and by the way, she says they're lashing out. They want to be heard. The, you know, the, the one, the one uh, quote unquote protester says, well, you hear us now. You're paying attention. No, we don't hear you now, actually. We're not paying attention. Whatever supposed message you have, we're actually not paying attention to it. We care about it less now than we did before. Your chance to be heard was before you set the place on fire. If you didn't do that, then I'd listen to it. Once you do that, I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything you say. I don't care about anything you say. But I do wonder, though, that reporter or uh, whatever we call her, who was talking about the pain, you know, what if somebody burned her house to the ground, stole all her stuff? Would she excuse it? Would she tolerate it? Would she, under, would she understand it? Because the arsonist is in pain? What do you think? You know, somebody shows up at her house with a torch in the middle of the night. What do you, what do you think? She thought, oh, look at that person in pain. They're in so much pain. Yeah, go ahead and just burn it. Burn it. Burn it down. I, I, I get it. I get it. You're trying to send a message. I understand. You see, it's really easy for people at CNN and elsewhere in the media to be understanding and tolerant about the destruction of other people's property. Very easy. Takes nothing. No sacrifice. All it takes is a narcissistic lack of concern, a lack of empathy for real victims. And if you have that, uh, if you have that level of narcissism, yeah, you can tolerate and understand crime all day long. But the moment it comes for you, everything changes, doesn't it? You know, that quote unquote reporter, uh, someone comes to her house to burn it down. She's not going to be understanding. She's not going to care about their pain. And what is she going to do? She's going to call the cops. She's going to call the racist cops. To come help her, isn't she? Finally, here's a video that I'm told is inspirational and heartwarming. I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical. Um, but you take a look and tell me. I'm interested in your take on this. Go ahead. Humbling ourselves before you. Yes, Lord. You brought the thunder and rain today, God. Because Satan takes the L today. Father, in Jesus' name, you get the victory. Father, we ask for forgiveness from our black brothers and sisters for years and years of racism. Okay. Um, now, in fairness, after that part, the black people in the crowd did join the white people in kneeling and praying. Okay, so I don't want to be guilty of cutting stuff off. That does happen next. And, um, and, and that part's great. You know, kneeling together and praying, I'm all about that. Great stuff. But kneeling before a group of people, actually kneeling, kneeling to them, which is, which is what appears to be happening here, and begging for their forgiveness, that is, to me, is not inspirational. And it's not heartwarming. 
That is groveling. It's pitiful. It is idol worship. Um, If you want to kneel together again, fantastic. I'm all for it. But one race literally kneeling to the other, that is not equality. It's not going to fix anything. Groveling and self-flagellation and self-loathing, that is not going to fix anything. I can tell you that. It's only going to make it worse. Now we're going to move on to our daily cancellation, and uh, it's a good one. But before we get there, speaking of of good stuff, how about this? A leftist tears tumbler. This is what can solve all of our problems in society. I think if everyone had one of these, you wouldn't have all this strife and everything in the world because they would say to themselves, at least I can keep my beverage hot or cold. Um. Now, you think about what one Leftist Tears tumbler does. What about two? The double tumbler deal is back, okay? But it's only available for our most exclusive membership tier, All Access. The All Access membership tier is our premier level of membership. All Access members get to participate in All Access Live, which is our brand new interactive programming feature uh, where one of the Daily Wire hosts hangs out at night and uh, we you know, have a, just have a casual conversation. I'll be the the guy on the docket today, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. All access membership now includes two of the irreplaceable leftist tears tumblers. Uh, and the t- tumblers are just overflowing with, with, with tears at the thought of this offer. But in this case, tears of joy. Uh, that are cr- This, in fact, right now is filled with tears of joy as we speak. Finally, all access members also get the benefits of our other membership tiers, including an ad-free website experience, access to our all live uh, to our live broadcasts and show library and three hours of Ben Shapiro show, um, along with dedicated editorials from yours truly. That means me, by the way. So head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join all access and get 15% off with the coupon code Walsh right now. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. See you there. Okay. Um, now today for our daily cancellation, we are canceling the FBI. And the reason there are many, the FBI has given us many reasons over the years especially recently, to cancel it. But right now, the reason is this this tweet that was sent out yesterday from the FBI's official Twitter account. Uh, It says, at the FBI, we know that diversity makes us stronger. During hashtag Pride Month, the FBI celebrates the contributions of our LGBT colleagues who have have made uh, uh, the contributions that our LGBT colleagues have made to our country and our mission. Okay. So just to review, domestic terrorists are invading our cities burning buildings, attacking police officers, throwing the country into the grip of anarchy, chaos, violence, trying to fundamentally destroy this, our society. And the FBI is instead focused on Gay Pride Month and the wonders of diversity. That's what they're ta- telling us about right now. That's, that's what they're focused on, um, just to be clear. But you know, I, I do kind of actually appreciate, as much as I'm, as much as I'm canceling the FBI for this, I also appreciate that Gay Pride Month is happening right now in the middle of widespread riots and also in the middle of a pandemic and everything else um, at a moment in history that is truly unprecedented in many ways. Because I'll tell you why I appreciate it, because it just it throws into sharp relief the vapidity, the silliness of the whole thing of Gay Pride Month, the concept. Um, Because who's concerned about this right now? Right. Who gives a damn about celebrating gay pride at a time like this? We're struggling to hang on to our civilization. And there are LGBT activists off on the sidelines saying, hey guys, not to interrupt, but uh, did I tell you I'm gay? Did I, did I mention that? Just, just wanted to, okay, get, get back to, I just wanted to let, just wanted to let you know. 
Get back to trying to save civilization. But just, you know, just so you know, my sexual orientation. I don't know. If you wanted to applaud me, go ahead. I'm not going to insist. Actually, I do insist. By the way, the tweet says, we know that diversity makes us stronger. Really? How so? How does it make us stronger? I mean, in what way has the FBI gotten better, stronger through diversity? I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm just asking. I'm asking in, in what way it has. Can you provide some sort of, I mean, that's the theme of this show, evidence. Do you have evidence for this? This is another popular claim. I'm just wondering if there's any evidence for it whatsoever. Is there any reason to believe that this is true, that diversity makes us stronger, especially sexual orientation diversity? Could anybody at the FBI explain that one? I would just like to know what the explanation is. That's all. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for the evidence. Give me specific, quantifiable ways in which the FBI is better at performing its job because of the diversity of sexual orientations within its ranks. I'd like to hear that. That's all. Um, and, and again, you know, maybe it is, but, but I, I'd like for someone, anyone, anyone who goes around prattling on about diversity as our strength, I'd like for any of them to actually offer some kind of evidence to support that assertion. When you say diversity is our strength, diversity makes us better, diversity makes us stronger, okay, how so? That's my follow-up question. How so? Now, if what you mean to say is that you think it's most ethical and most moral and most uh, right you know, to focus on diversity or something like that, then say that. Okay? That's a very different claim. But if you claim that your focus on diversity actually makes us as a people or, or you as an organization verifiably, quantifiably better and stronger, then you need to show some receipts, okay? Of course, even if they did just mean that focusing on diversity is ethical, um, I would still disagree. And, and here's what I'm going to say, and this is also heretical, another theme of the show, you know, heresies of the, of the common narratives, political incorrectness. That's a theme of every show. So I, I know this is an awful thing to say. We're not supposed to say it, but, uh, but I will. Um, diversity in itself doesn't matter. Diversity in itself is meaningless. You know, getting a whole bunch of people of different races, nations, and creeds together and, and orientations, that in itself is not automatically praiseworthy. That doesn't automatically mean anything. What really matters is that you are getting everyone together you know, it's, it's what you're getting everyone together to do. So you can throw a bunch of people in a room and they all look different, have different orientations. Everything's different, a lot of diversity. Um, great. Okay. Now what? what? What is it that we're doing? And if it's the FBI, then I guess we're, we're getting them together to investigate federal crimes. Are, are we better now at investigating federal crimes? No, if, if the goal is to investigate federal crimes, then your focus should be on finding the people who are the best at performing that specific task. It is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Now, their race and creed and orientation is immaterial. If all the best people happen to be white, so be it. That's the way the cookie crumbles. If they all happen to be black, so be it. If they all happen to be Native American, Korean, if they all happen to be polyamorous Australian transsexuals, whatever it is, 
What matters in this context is the task at hand and who is best suited to perform it. Though I do admit, of course, an, an FBI comprised solely of polyamorous Australian transsexuals does sound pretty interesting. Um, you know, maybe it would make for an interesting sitcom or something. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if there'd be enough to actually fill an entire FBI. Um, in any case, that's what it's about. You know, it, it's it's if you're saying we need diversity, I think, I think it's fair to follow up with a question of, for what? We need diversity. Okay, for what? What are we doing? Tell me what we're doing, and then we'll figure this thing out. And I think most of the time, what you're going to find is that what we really need, whatever the context, what we really need are just people who are good at doing that thing, whatever it happens to be. And many times what you're going to find is that if you focus on merit and you focus on who's, who, who's best at actually doing the thing that we're trying to do, uh, you're going to end up with some amount of diversity. That, that is usually the way that cookie, that particular cookie happens to crumble. It's just, it, it might not be exactly, uh, you know, in line with different quotas and everything else. It might not work that way, but you'll, you'll end up with some of that. And that's great because then, you know what you have then? You have something like an actual meaningful diversity. Because you got a bunch of people together, you're focused on merits, you got the best of the best doing it. And uh, they, they happen to be, you know, have different backgrounds and everything else. So they're bringing different perspectives to it. Great. Good stuff. But if you're focused more on the background and the, demo- and, and the demographics, and that's what you're, you're if you're starting with that, then you're just going to have, uh, you're going to be ineffective, ineffective. I'm ineffective. I can't even say. I can't even speak. I'm ineffective. I'm a podcast host and I can't speak. Uh, so that's my that's my point about that. And I think we will have to wrap it up there. Um, and we continue to pray for this country. I think that's what we all need to be doing more of. I need to be doing more of it. We all need to be doing it because these are precarious times indeed. So stay safe out there. God bless. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.